and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. As some of you may know, showed you guys my hair a little bit earlier this week. Figure I'll show it to you again right now. Some person named Valdron in the room said, dude, you got to cut that fro. And I'm here to tell you something, Valdron. Fuck you. A whole lot of y'all interfered with the fun that we was having over here with me and growing out my hair. For those of you who do not realize how this went, we talked about it very early. The quarantine hit, right? I did not expect that we would still be locked down at this point, right? I did not think we would, but we were. Anyway, when it first started, I didn't have to go to work, and so I didn't shave my head. I normally shave my head on Mondays and Thursdays, right? So I didn't shave my head on Monday. All right. And then I had nowhere to go. And so, like, for those of us who shave our heads, we can tell you this, right? After a certain point, it gets to be like a little arduous trying to shave your head, right? And it can make it more likely that you are going to cut yourself while you are doing it. So I was like, I ain't going to do it. I'm going to just grow this out and kind of see how it goes. Because I have been shaving my head twice a week for, um, no, yeah, about seven years, right? So I had no idea what my hair was, what, whether it was still growing, you know, all of that stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me just see how it goes. And then it got to be more and more. And like, I like running my fingers through my hair, man. You know what I'm saying? He said, put my hands in my pockets to do that. Not no more, you know? I ain't come back here. Like, you know, just kind of chill at the crib, twist it around a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Doing all that. Like, I can do that now. I enjoy that, you know? And so I just kind of riding it out, and I've been wearing the hats and everything. And I had been joking from the very beginning that I was going to try to grow me a Clyde Drexler, right? Because I imagined that when I grew it, it would be like a point here in the middle. I thought it was just going to go like straight back right here. Like I thought it was going to be like throwing up the upside down W. You know what I'm saying? Like I thought we was going to be Wu-Tanging up here. But then that didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? And so I just went with it. Then I went with it. And I was like, all right, well, this is this is just what it's going to look like. Because those of you who have been following this from the very beginning knew that the whole point was we was just going to see what it looked like. You know, and then I'm like, okay, this is pretty much what it's going to look like. And then I brought it out there and then I looked at it and I was like, you know, I can like full on 1970s this whole thing. If I do it right, you know, get the big sunglasses, right? Give me a suit with the, with, and get the collar outside the lapel and all that. Unbutton it down to the chest hair, you know, like I kind of fit that aesthetic. And so I was like, all right, yeah, this can kind of work, you know? So I was like, I took, uh, after I had done the unveil on uh, Dan's on a highly questionable, I put a picture on the Instagram and I was like, I'm gonna put the shades with it. And then I put the shades, honestly, and these aren't the same shades as I had on in the Instagram picture, but I'm gonna put it up here for you. And I'm gonna be honest with you. It was a flex. It was absolutely a flex. I'm going to tell you that right now. That was the whole point, right? As some of you guys know, back when we was out in the streets, I carry a bag, right? Some of y'all like to call them purses. I disagree. Found to be very helpful to carry around the bag. And they got all kinds of bags that you can get. But I went and got the Louis bag. And it was very simple. 
just in case you wanted to have something to say about my bag. I wanted your broke ass to remember that you wasn't even really involved in this discussion. Like just before you thought that you was going to have something to bring. I wanted you to look at that and realize you probably can't even afford to think about it. Oh yeah, I did that. So anyway, I was taking a picture um, with shades and I saw the reflection hit off the shades and I was like, yeah, let me go ahead and tweak that up to make sure that the, that the people see that, you know what I mean? So anyway, yeah, I'm just riding it out. Why do I have on the sunglasses right now? I just think it fits. I think you'd have to agree that it fits. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a, I mean, I've been real busy, you know what I'm saying? It's been a little stressful through all these times and everything else. But like, yo, right now, at least for the day, man, your boy got in my bag right now, you know? So I figured I might as well come on here with the shades, let you see the hair, let you see the pick, you know, all of that. I'm kind of cruising right now. Going to do this podcast, going to do a little yoga, you know, limber up, all that stuff. It ain't so bad. I'll take the sunglasses off now. You know, I believe I've made my point. Anyway, no, this is the point I was going to make. I did not get to my point. I want to talk about the people that's messing up the fun. So um, I used to kind of have this dispute with some of the producers on High Noon, right? It was never like totally verbalized between us, but it was always in the air that the producers had a belief that I was not the type of person who was willing to laugh at himself. And I disagree with that idea that I am not willing to laugh at myself. I grew all this hair for the express purpose of laughing at myself. And anybody that's a regular and be in this chat room can verify this. Did I not do this for any other reason other than to give y'all something to chuckle at? You know what I'm saying? Like the people in the room can tell you this. That was the whole point. However, if the jokes ain't funny, I'm not going to laugh. That's my biggest problem. I hold a lot of you guys to a standard. They be like, yo, man, it's just jokes. But how come your jokes ain't funny? You know what I'm saying? So like my man Jamal did it, put my face on a Bobby Womack uh, album cover. That was funny. Had some dude hit me up and talk about, uh, you look like you in a band in a group from the 1950s. This is not what they look like in the 1950s. You know what I'm saying? Like, just get it right. People, like, oh my God, hurry up and cut your hair. Yeah, be- because I don't know where my hairline is at. That all that that when I was in the bathroom twice a week shaving my head, I was just doing it and had no idea that I, my hairline was going back. Wow. Yeah, I just discovered that right now. We need to hurry up and cut this. It's a goddamn pandemic. Cut it for what and for who? What are you talking about? That's preposterous. Right. We just out here living. That's what I'm saying. Why can't y'all be one dude got in my mentions and he used language that I can't use. But he got in my mentions and he was like, yeah, you ain't go uh, any any women. He ain't calling women. But he was like any women uh, that was ho- that he was hollering at ain't going to holler at you no more. That's 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 not how this works, buddy. That's not really how it goes. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, I don't operate on margins that thin. I don't do that. I don't do that. They like me in spite of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And that's before we get to the other thing. Um, I don't want to have to say it again out loud. 
I'm gonna just put these sunglasses back on to make that point. Like, maybe that works for people who wear sunglasses like you, but people who wear sunglasses like me, I don't feel like the hairline's gonna cut it off. They'll give you a chance in spite of some things. I don't know what your life is like, but. If I get bad hair, like what they'd always crack me up. I was talking to somebody about this one day, right? Like, you know, them cats. Um, and I really don't know how tough people are still doing it in these days. Cause I hang out with people who at the age range, they can't keep their hair like outside of my buddy, Shannon, like, you know, the super duper, like wave obsessives, you know, what I'm talking about like the cats that are like full-time always on their waves, right? Never outside, never indoors without having it wrapped up. They got the stocking on. And then they got the do-rag on top of the stocking. You know what I mean? Like, you know those people, like the super wave people. They have such a level of dedication to their waves. And I suppose that I appreciate um, the level of diligence that those gentlemen have with uh, their activities with the waves, right? I am here to tell all of those dudes Every single one of them. I got bad news for you. You ready? Those waves have not gotten one single solitary woman into your bed. Not a one. Not a one. Like, if you took that wave cap off, like, a couple hours a day, you know? Like, you know what it's like when you, when you tighten up the wave cap? but you get it at a bad angle and you wind up hitting one of them veins like in the lower part of the back of your head. You know what I'm talking about? Like a whole lot of them wave cap, man. They be going through a lot of discomfort in that time trying to tighten it up as tight as you can. All of that stuff, right? They go through all of that. That ain't made the difference not one time. Somebody in the chat room said, might have made, uh, made me notice you. I'm just asking you for real. Like, to the ladies that are in this chat room right now, you let me know if I got this wrong. Because if I do, that's fine, right? I don't, I don't want to purport to speak for you. But I'm just asking you, has there ever been a time that, like, what made you listen to that dude's rap was his waves? Can you? Like, I'm just asking. I don't feel like it's ever worked that way. And I'm telling you. Every single one of them dudes that's wave obsessive in that way, they are all positive, positive that they love these waves. Every single one of them, 100% sure of that. Like, I'm just asking, I really wonder how many of you women are like, girl, you know, I can't turn down a man with no way that got waves. That ever happened? Now, a bad haircut. feel like that can be a disqualifying factor for a number of reasons. But a whole lot of that stuff that you out here doing, I hope you ain't doing it for her. She don't cur. She don't cur. Now, I saw somebody in the chat room missing the dreadlocks. Now, she might holler at you because of your dreadlocks. Like, that, that, one's, that one's a little bit different of a situation. Or if you got, like, a really good haircut, that'll help you out. Like a bomb haircut, maybe it's because it put that little extra pep in your step. I don't know, but a really bomb haircut, that might get you somewhere. But all that obsessive behavior that you got going about your waves, 
It ain't doing it, dog. It ain't doing it. I suggest you do try to get you some overtime. That'll work. I have no idea if that'll work. I do know this, though. When I was in high school, uh, I used to work at the Fuddruckers over by Willowbrook Mall. If you're from Houston, you might know a little bit about that. You know, Northside in particular, you might know about it. The Fuddruckers over there by uh, Willowbrook Mall. I used to work over there. And me and my boy that I used to work with, we would go to the mall in our work gear, right? So I'm in these, like, horribly fitting, like, pants, this denim dress shirt. I mean, it's not even a dress shirt. It's just a denim shirt that you had to buy from them that's way too big. I got my apron on, and we walking through the mall. And you know why we was walking through the mall? We wanted them to know we got jobs. Like, we was making it clear to them. We got jobs. I wanted them to know, man. I ain't want a whole lot of money in my pocket, but a little bit. I ain't have to ask my parents for money for the prom. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Let us move on to your questions. Ooh, somebody asked one question that I ain't touching with a 10-footer. Hold on. So you finally listened to some, I don't know how to pronounce this band's name. What situations do you see yourself throwing your, uh, hold on. What situations do you see yourself throwing on one of their records? What kind of vibe do they fit for you? I have no idea how to produce this, uh, pronounce this band's name. It is spelled K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. And so somebody hit me up and was like, yo, best band in the world is from Houston, and I can't believe I didn't know it. And I'm like, yo, so who's the band? And he sends me a text about it. No, he sent me a text with the band name, and I was like, yo, I'm not hip. And he said, they're the best band in the world. And I'm like, and from this person, this was no, like, small compliment. And so I'm like, all right, then let me check them out. And I put that on, man. Dude, they are so good. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to begin in talking about how good they are. I can't tell you what the genre is. Like my man's talking about what's the vibe for you to listen to that. I don't really have a great answer for what the vibe is that they're on. They got a guitar player who is basically playing guitar as vocals. Like he's he's playing the guitar parts and the vocals at the same time. Three point three part uh, three piece band. But my man is just like he's he's incredible. He's one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. Um, and apparently they met at church or something like that. Like it's wild how that you know how the, how how the story winds up playing out. But oh my god, check them out. Like again, all I can do is spell it. If I pronounce it for you, you wouldn't have it. Uh, there's a Pitchfork concert to check out. The the Tiny Desk is a good one for you to check out. I'm getting really frustrated because right now, like I normally send out the questions uh, during the show to people and I like copy and paste them. But my, oh, there we go. My, uh, what you call it? My trackball, a trackpad was double clicking everything and that's mad whack. But no, 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 no. Please check them out. Like there's hip hop elements to it. Um, 
And what's wild about them, and I watched like two or three, oh, Krung Bin. That's how you say it, Krung Bin. All right, Krung Bin is the name of, uh, is the name of it. So the thing that's interesting about this is I've watched them do like three live, uh, three concerts that I've watched. And they're basically like standing still. Like nobody moves. The dude just plays guitar. It's a woman on the bass and she's just playing the bass. And it's a dude playing drums who's always right there and is always rocking. But he just looked like, like this. Like literally he just looks like this. Like it doesn't look like he's doing anything at all. Like he's clocking, right? That's, that's, I think that's what Spencer called it. Is my man is clocking. That is what they are over there doing. Except they are jamming. They are jamming. Like somebody says they're heavily influenced by 1970s Thai funk. I don't know nothing about no Thai funk. I can't, I can't speak to uh yeah, I, I I can't speak to what their existence is on that level. I just know that I watched one concert on the YouTube and then watched another one after I had watched Tiny Desk, after I had listened to one of their albums. Like it just went. It just went. So, yeah, I highly, highly, highly recommend. I think they got an album that's coming out on the 26th of June. I highly recommend giving that some fire. All right. Appreciate that question. Now I got, there we go. Let me see what else we got here. Is a certain OG spending a little too much time on social? Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. Uh, I don't want those problems. I'm going to uh, be honest with you. Um, when I saw this question, I thought that you were talking about me. Because um, I have been on social media more and I was going to, you know, talk about you know, what it's like for me now, having been on social media more and all of that stuff. And then as I was reading it, I realized that you were talking about someone else. And the only response that I can have in that measure is Lance, if you can go find Anthony Jones and get him the hell up out of here so that everybody that knows how to act can like continue to kick it then uh, we can do that. Um, the only thing I will say about that uh, particular OG that I do not feel like, I, I don't know what you youngsters think this is. Like, that, that's, that's, that's the only thing for me. I see the things that the youngsters out here saying, and I'm like, I don't think you know what this is. I saw some youngsters say something about how uh, how we need to, you know, instead of being on social media, you need to get people out here voting. I'm like, yo, you need to go look this dude up. Like, I don't, I don't think you understand. I don't know what's wrong with some of y'all. I don't know how y'all was raised. I'm just telling you, no, uh, no. Nah. Nah. That man want to be on social media. I really don't see why he shouldn't be there. Who am I to say? I have no I nope. All right. Uh appreciate the question. Let me see what else you got here. Equimini cut to three tracks really leaves out Rosa Parks. Did I talk about this on the uh on the Mogul podcast with Jenks? 
I can't remember if I did, but I did a podcast about September 29th, 1998 and everything that went on that day. Um, and I'm talking about Equimini. And I think that came up. I mean, this is why I think somebody's asking me about this here. But I think it came up about if I had to take the top three tracks off Equimini, what are they? And I feel like well, one thing for me is that if I'm talking about taking tracks off of Equimini, I feel like I need to like leave liberation completely out of the discussion because liberation is the everything, right? Liberation is like a million different drums. Everybody's playing a drum. Every instrument is a drum in a brilliant, melodic, percussive, funky, like everything about it is amazing. I think Joy Gilliam did the arrangement on it. All of it, man. It's just an amazing record. Like I almost feel like it's not fair to talk about that one, right? Um, but if I had to take three off of that, I don't remember what I said on there, but Art of Storytelling 2 is definitely one of the three that I'm taking. Uh, the title track, Equimini, is probably one of the three that I'm taking. Um, I might take Slump. I really like Slump. Slump, like Slump hit me in a very particular way. And like Rosa Parks is right in there, but that's the thing. Rosa Parks might be the fourth best track on there maybe but you got arguments all over the place like it is just an amazing piece of work like i went to see um outcast for the first time came to new york to see him on that uh that tour they had uh six years ago i walked into it saying to myself they could play literally any song in the catalog and I'd be okay with it. Literally any song in the catalog. I ain't feel that about Prince. I had a couple of Prince shows. I'm like, why do you keep playing Sometimes It Snows in April, man? That shit is sad. Outcast could have played anything. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Folks really got upset about your comment about low Twitter followers, but I mean, come on. If it's been 13 years and you have 40 followers, how, why should I take you seriously? This was very interesting how upset some people got about this. Now, granted, all these people had a very low number of followers, but the point that I was making is if you are like, at, like as much as anything else, and, I, and my experience is a little bit different, obviously, because of my job, but if you, you in my mentions acting up, talking that shit or whatever it is, Go click on those profiles, man. They got like 15, 20 followers. Like, go look at how much it is. And people are like, they're bots. Some of them are bots. A lot of them are also burners. Like, I use bot kind of as an all-purpose phrase. Oh, Kim said, uh, Lance, get the Kim person out of here. Talk about princes. All right, that's absurd. Anyway, um, yeah, like, if you out here and you've been here on this platform for however long it is, and you can't find 100, not even people, because if your follower count is up to 100, not all of them are people. You don't even have friends that want to hear what you're saying. Like the people who claim to love you or know you, they don't want to hear what you're saying. I'm just telling you, as somebody who deals with a lot more Twitter traffic than just about anybody that's in here right now, yo, the lower the follower count, the more likely they are to say something ridiculous. Like, this seems perfectly logical and reasonable to me. Man, people got on. Oh, so you're saying that if I don't have any followers, I'm not worthy? Yo, there's a market here, and the market has said, no, you are not worthy. The market has said, you're not saying anything I feel like hearing. 
Like, that's what it's saying. And people were hot. Oh, you talk about what my worth is. I am amazed by the idea that any of you develop any sense of your self-worth based on your social media, based on your social media situation. Like that honestly blows my mind with people that they were really attaching it to worth or like the way that people have this resentment toward folks that have verified accounts. Do you realize how many people they get verified accounts to? Like I went through my followers once and you can sort it by who's verified. And I was amazed by how many people they give blue checks to. I've talked about this year before. It's not nearly as hard to be verified as a lot of you believe. And when people start talking about, oh, well, the blue checks are doing this. Like it's a weird social ecosystem that has people aligning themselves and putting themselves on tiers and places in a hierarchy based on this like are you serious like i'm not saying that you're not worthy if you got 20 followers i'm saying that you're probably out here on some bullshit and a lot of these people then admitted that the whole reason they got this account with the 20 followers is so that they can be on some bullshit and that's the thing to me i got no respect for this idea like oh i got a burner account so i can just say whatever i want exactly and that's the problem you go and separate your whole identity from this account and now you out here wilding and yeah, I judge you for that. How can I not judge you for that? Right? You ain't got it in you to stand behind with it. Well, if I say this and my boss sees it, I'll get fired. Then maybe you shouldn't say it. How about that? Appreciate the question. Let's see what else I got here. I have an interview tomorrow for a position requiring some background in economics. What are a couple of terms I should casually drop in conversation to make it seem like I really know what I'm talking about? Don't. Don't. The answer is don't. You're going to embarrass yourself. You kind of embarrass yourself even asking me that. All right, appreciate the question. Oh, this is an interesting one here. How long before Stone Mountain ends up on the chopping block or am I being too optimistic? Okay, so just a little lesson for some of you people that don't know Atlanta in this way. You have probably heard of a town called Stone Mountain. You may have even heard of like Stone Mountain itself. But I'll give you a story from work one day. So my man Ozzy came in to work one day. Uh, he didn't work on my show, but he worked in the office um, a few months ago. And Ozzy is from California. He's a Somali dude. Real cool cat, right? But like very Cali, right? You see a dude, there's no surprise he's from California, right? He's, he's as such. And so Ozzy come in. And Ozzy has on this pink shirt. Like, he's a dude who's, like, come in wearing wild shirts, right? Like, that's just kind of what his style is. And Ozzy come in, and he got on this pink shirt with a picture of the stone mountain of the monument. And for those of you who don't know, the monument is a, is a Confederate monument. It's like a four Confederate generals. Like, Stone Mountain is where they used to go to have the Klan rallies and stuff. I don't know if they still do it because black folks started moving into Stone Mountain. If you know anything about Atlanta, you know how that goes. We show up, they roll out. So anyway, um, so it's this big giant Confederate monument. I looked at Ozzy. I was like, yo, man, what are you doing? Like I, 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 like I went harder than I should have because I should have known better. And he looked so afraid. I was like, yo, dude, that's a Confederate monument. You know, like I like I really had a visceral reaction. I have never seen that monument. I have been to Stone Mountain, Georgia one time in my life. Went to go see my homie Rick and he knew I must really rock with him because I actually went to Stone Mountain to catch up with him. Like, that's a thing. Like, we don't go there. And I'm not the only person that's in that place. Like, we don't. That's just not where we that's just not where me and my people go in Atlanta. It's a great, big, giant Confederate monument carved into a mountain. 
I don't know how exactly you take that down. And I do know this. In order for that to come down, it's going to have to be their idea. Because otherwise, it's going to be people out there, like, literally ready for war to stop that from coming down. Like, they would have to blow up the whole damn thing. That's what it would have to be. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Should white people be allowed to do voice acting for black cartoon characters? Sure, if you can do it right. All right. But this is what I will tell you about that. And this is from me speaking to you as a professional of sorts. It is my experience that if you are going to do an impression across race lines, do it quickly. Right? Hit it fast. Let it go. Because the longer that you go in doing the impression the more likely you are to get out of what you're actually doing and your impression stops being of a particular person of that race and then quickly becomes an impression of any person of that race. You understand what I'm saying? Like some people over here mentioned Rollo from the Cleveland show. Uh, the racists like to say that I, my voice sounds to them like Rollo from the Cleveland show. I've never watched the show enough to know what Rollo sounds like. Who knows? Maybe they are correct. But anyway, if you can do it, go ahead and do it. The problem is white folks just typically cannot be trusted with such responsibilities, right? So did we already talk about the Jimmy Kimmel blackface thing? I think we did, but Jimmy Kimmel did. Uh, got some people dug it up. Some clip from twenty years ago on Saturday Night Live. But Jimmy Kimmel did Chris Rock in blackface, and I watched the clip and I was like, "Oh, I see why they did it, right?" Like I don't think that that was worth the risk necessarily, but he did an incredible Chris Rock, and the makeup was not making fun of black people. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not the same thing. People talk about Jimmy Kimmel and Carl Malone. See, that one got to be tricky because Carl Malone is kind of a stereotype in and of himself. And so it can feel like you are actually doing a stereotype. You're, you're just doing a stereotypical impression, but now you got a name that you can put on it. You know what I mean? But if it lands, it lands. The problem is that for white people, typically it doesn't land. And if you just leave a room of white people to themselves to make these decisions, there's nobody there to actually know if it landed or not. There's not the person to stop you if it sounds ridiculous. And so the reason for white people not to do these things to me is not because they shouldn't be quote unquote allowed is that y'all don't be acting right. Like if y'all could act right, then it would be cool. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Do you believe it is far too late to get people to do what they have to do in order to get this virus under control? Because it seems like some people are just hell-bent on acting like this virus is fake news. I mean, the virus will be under control at some point. Like, I think that's one thing we got to remember here. 
I don't think there's ever been any dispute as to whether or not we will get this virus under control. It will happen. It's just a matter of how many people are going to have to die first. Right? Like, like at some point, there's going to be a vaccine, and at some point, that's going to get around, and it's going to calm it down. It's just a matter of how many people along the way are going to die. And I am amazed at how many people have decided that they're willing to die. Like, for these smallest things. Like, yo, I'm still at my crib. I'm still ain't going nowhere. Right? And I know, again, for me, it's easier to say than it is for some people, but I'm looking at what's going on in some of these states, and I'm just blown away by the idea. Like, the mask. I saw something. Like, I need to see it, like, actually printed, but I saw it on Twitter. And somebody did a thread about a place where these two barbers had tested positive for COVID. They had had 140 clients after they tested positive for COVID. Um, But while they were performing haircuts on those clients, they wore masks. None of their clients caught it. None of them did. Like, yo, that works. It's effective. Like, I do, I cannot for the life of me understand the reaction to the mass, like that. I mean, this seems like such a simple, easy thing that you can do. Just wear it, because the thing, and I, and I guess some people still don't understand. They like, I'm not wearing a mask, so I'm not afraid of catching it. The question is whether or not you have it, and I don't know why that part apparently has been so evasive for people that they can't understand that it's possible that you have it. All right, appreciate the question. Next one. Found out the other day my brother-in-law's Blue Lives Matter guy. I showed him Emmanuel Acho's uncomfortable convo with a black man video, and his takeaway was how Emmanuel doesn't know the facts about police brutality. How would you approach this relationship to maintain some familiar relationship? I would not. He's a lost cause. You can't do nothing about that. I don't be out here fucking with police. I feel like you need to go ask, uh, is he your wife's brother or is he your sister's husband? Because if he's your sister's husband, you need to take it up with her. Like how you like how you gonna be bringing this man into my house? Like you can't bring Favo into the house. I ever tell you by the time my brother brought Favo to the house? I ever tell you about that? All right, so I'm at the crib, and my brother's uh, one of his road dogs used to live down the street when he was growing up. You know, me and my brother, me and my brother are 13 years apart. And we grew up in different places. So one of his road dogs rolls up comes to the crib i'm like okay cool i ain't seen him since like 1985 whatever it's cool so he's there and me and my homeboy we were there for christmas so my homeboy come home with me and we had been hanging out outside for a little bit and then we uh came back in and we sitting down and my daddy's like i'm gonna change the name and my daddy's like well john what you up to these days he's like oh man i'm still police and me and my boy were like, what? Like, it changed everything for me right then. And the next thing you know, he started telling what he think is funny stories, right? And so he tell a story about a time that he saw one of the, one of the homies from the neighborhood. Um, and he was driving around by the AU. And he saw him. And he put the lights on and he pulled him over. And so he pulled him over. And then he gets on the microphone and starts telling him, Put your hands on the wheel. And then he tells him, open the car door. And then he tells him, get out the car. And now he got the spotlight on him. He got him laying on the ground. And then walk up to him, talk about, I'm just joking. 
Have you guys figured out what was funny about that? Because I have not figured out what was funny about that. And that leads me ultimately to say, I don't know what you're supposed to say to that dude. I would give it up. Oh, this guy didn't even act. Hold on. This dude didn't even actually police. He's just blue lives matter. Oh, I don't know how you, my brother, you got to understand I'm black. I don't really know too much about having to maintain familiar relationships with racists. Although I guess it might be your wife's brother. And yeah, my brother married a white woman, not me. I don't have these struggles. My brother's wife is extra dope, just to be clear. All right, appreciate the question. What have we got here? Sister Hat came off, game got real. Seems like you've been dunking on Twitter at a higher rate than normal. Is it the hair? Or do people from Dallas just bring out that side of you? So I'm actually in a kind of, I guess, uncomfortable place, at least internally for me when it comes to like Twitter and the likes. So the bottom line is, for me, I don't think that Twitter is safe. Like I think for someone with my platform and my visibility and my views and being who I am, it's not really a safe place to talk about things that matter. And it's not really a productive place to talk about things that matter. So like there's people out there that joke about the fact that I'll run a search on my name on Twitter. Let me tell you part of why I'll run a search on my name on Twitter. Because in order to try to weed out all the madness and the nonsense and the trolls and the bots and the burners, I have to turn up the, the filters so high that basically nothing comes through. Like there's no fun because there's nobody left to interact with. Because in order to get those people in those accounts, I got to do so much that basically nobody is left. And that part's not fun. And so for a very long time, I have backed away from the platform generally and talking about serious things in particular because it stopped being productive. I didn't feel like I was getting any real positive engagement and I don't feel like people are looking for engagement or nuance at this point. I think that people are largely looking for folks that agree with what they already thought and they want to amplify those things in spite of the fact that for many of them, their followers already believe the things that they are saying, you know, and that's like, I don't really want to engage in that. I don't really want to do that. But here's the counterpoint. The counterpoint is that I am particularly and uniquely effective in that space. All right, look, you say whatever you want about me, right? I took them years off and I fell back off the Twitters and y'all noticed this, right? But even within them three years, if I wanted to dominate what your Twitter timeline was talking about, I can do that. Like the right crazy story or whatever gets in my hands. I can drop it out there. I can still make it happen. Did we talk about the Hampton thing on here? Did y'all see when Hampton had put out that Hampton's athletic department had put out that awful um, press release? They said like all lives matter and all of this stuff. They had it there. And a friend of mine sent it to me. 
and it had been up for like two hours. And it was like really, really bad. It had been up for like two hours. And I asked her, I was like, how is this still up? And she said, it hasn't really caught on. And I was like, all right, well, I'll fix that. I retweeted that press release. They deleted that thing within 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Gone. Like, I have an impact in that space. But it's a space I don't really enjoy being in. It's a space that I don't know if it has, like, a positive effect on, like, my overall, you know, top-to-bottom health. I don't know if it's good for me. But I'm good for it. And don't really make no money off of it. So I believe you can understand why I'm a little torn about the fact that I'm still there as I am. People asking if the pick is my dad's pick. No, I bought that uh, from the drugstore after all this started. They still sell them. They ain't hard to find. thing that sucks about this one, though, is it ain't got the peace sign in it. But at the time I bought it, we were still in the phase where the beauty supply store wasn't open. Let me tell you, it's open now, and that thing got a line every moment of every day. All right, appreciate the question. But man here says, what's the best way to connect with people who don't understand systemic racism if they constantly say fake news when you show them articles? Is it worth even trying? No, it is not. Like they're clearly telling you they only believe what they want to. Appreciate the question. Let's see what else we got here. Do you agree or disagree with the notion that the wire is copaganda? Um... What's the argument for it being propaganda? Like, let me ask you this about the wire. How many cop shows have as many like obviously awful and idiotic cops as the wire does? Right? Like, is a show that has Herc and Prez on it, like trying to elevate the opinion the world has of the cops? What The Wire does, though, is The Wire, on every level of The Wire, at every world that they throw you into, what they give you is a friendly reminder that the people who are in those spaces are really regular people who are, in many ways, molded by the institutional situation that is around them. I don't see how anybody could watch The Wire and come away from it thinking that their goal was to give a positive impression of the cops. Every single cop on that show is wildly flawed. And you don't really let it slide on any of them that they're wildly flawed. And it says here, it redeems some of them. Yeah, it redeems some of them, but look at who the ones are that it redeems. Right? It redeems Carver. Look where Carver started and look where Carver ended up. It redeems Prez. Look where Prez started and look where Prez ended up. Like the only people who are redeemed on the wire did work for their own redemption. Like, I don't, I don't know. I I don't, I do think this, that, and this is where the, like the ACAB thing becomes tricky because the idea of ACAB holds up. If you're talking about policing as an overall institution and that there is minimal purpose to identifying individual police officers because the overall force is so corrupt that pointing out the shining lights kind of misses the point. Like, there are exceptions that prove the rule. I get that, but, like, the idea that literally all cops are bad, 
if taken literally, is incorrect. Like, this is what it is. It's incorrect. But it doesn't matter if it's incorrect. Does that make sense? Like, it doesn't really matter. I thought what The Wire did for the cops is the same thing The Wire did for the dope boys, the same thing The Wire did for the politicians, same thing The Wire did for the journalists, man. It just gave you three dimensions. Like, everything about this, every single cop on The Wire got something fucked up about him. Like, in one way or another. I got one moment I can point to and be like, damn, I don't really rock with you. Even Lester Freeman, who hit Bird in the head with that bottle when they were taking him in on the street in season one. I also see here, by the way, and this is just like a personal cause of mine of sorts, where somebody says that McNulty was outlandish because he created a serial killer for overtime. I think if you go back and watch that, the real issue in season five, and people act like how unrealistic it was, no, what you're missing is how easy it was to actually do that. That like if they wanted to do that, how easy it is to pull it off. All right. Let me see if there's anything else I want to answer before I get out of here. My stomach kind of hurt. No, nope, I think that's good enough. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the Evening Jones. Try to do this thing a couple times a week. I mean, that's the other one. Try to do the thing about once a week. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember, if you can't watch the Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. Enjoy this luxurious hair in these shades one more time. Take it easy.